Blog Talk Radio. Okay, we're still waiting on it to go here. I wish this thing would do something. <laughs> <laughs> we are definitely up to 18 seconds. Lag time. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, I, I think we can just... Off. Okay, I pretty well say we're not going to... It's not going to do anything. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, here's Mike Norris, ladies and gentlemen, with Peach State Pandemonium. Good evening, and welcome to Peach State Pandemonium for Thursday, July 14th, 2016. This is Michael Norris, and uh, is Bobby with us? Let me see uh, what Bobby's doing here. Uh, he is not on yet. There we go. While we're waiting on Bobby, we'll let this Welcome to Peach State Pandemonium, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network, where we take you down memory lane for a look at professional wrestling the way it used to be, with conversations from those who paved the way. And now, the GWH Radio Network presents Peach State Pandemonium. Bobby must be the one that knows how to get this thing to work, because just as soon as his phone number went live, the uh, the ID came up. You know, it is... I refuse to come on without my music. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, there you go. very good. <laughs> That's your entrance music. Very good. I was just about to, I was just about to say, we is is as goofy as that that music is. We need to change it to dueling banjos. <laughs> I just wish it would play. You know, people are sitting here thinking he doesn't know how to start this thing, and uh, I swear to you, I do. Oh, it used to well, be the same thing with me. That's the reason I quit doing it. But anyway, uh, this is again, this is Michael Norris along with Jay West and Bobby Simmons. Jerry Oates, uh, unfortunately, will not be with us this evening because uh, he was uh, had some prior commitments. And uh, uh, first, first, let me thank Bobby for taking the evening off to be with us from uh, Vacation Bible School. We're having Vacation Bible School at our church this week, and Bobby's been uh, babysitting and feeding kids and it's like her whatever. Because <laughs> <laughs> say, do you have a do you have a staff that you, a big stick Listen, that you carry around with you? I'm gonna tell you something. We have a wonderful. Uh, Michael knows this, but we have a wonderful bunch of volunteers that have given up their week. And and we started this two years ago. We we are taking our our young adults, the the kids that are like 15 and up, and they're taking on the role of teachers and and uh, uh, babysitting the little ones. And uh, hey, they're just doing a wonderful job. It's been it's been really fun. I I basically have just sat around and watched and laughed. Uh, uh, does it run two weeks? No, just a week. Uh, we uh, we go Monday through Friday, and we'll have our commencement exercise this Sunday morning. And uh, uh, you know, when I was a kid, it went two weeks, and I thoroughly right. enjoyed it. But now. I'm not sure this new generation can handle two weeks because these little 16 and 17 year old kids they're huffing and puffing and it was last night was only the third night. So. Wow! <laughs> you know this, this is this is before you guys' time, but in the 50s when I was going to vacation Bible school at the Presbyterian Church in East Point where we went, uh, and uh, you know we recited the Pledge of Allegiance every morning when we started, and uh, that was during the time that they added under God to the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. Oof. Well, they still do the they still do the Pledge of Allegiance every night. And uh it, it's a, it's a, 
it's a great time. I, you know, this is my favorite time of the year. Sunday afternoon, morning, noon, uh, after morning service, they began decorating the church, and I just sat there all afternoon in the sanctuary watching and uh, uh, reliving a lot of great memories when I was a kid going. So, absolutely, I have a lot of fun this week. I went till I was thirteen, uh, and uh, and uh, when we moved across town and uh, started going to the Baptist church and. The guy that was the uh, son of the uh, the preacher there, he uh, got me to go that one summer because he thought he was too big to go. And I I seem think his really mother was going to make him go anyway, but uh, it, it sounded better like that. And uh, but uh, yeah, I always enjoyed vacation Bible school, but it was definitely two weeks uh, up until I quit going, which was in '65. Uh, did you go during the daytime, like in the morning, from nine to noon, something like that? When when I went to the Presbyterian Church as a kid, up until nineteen, uh, you know, when up until I finished the seventh grade, yes, it was daytime, two weeks. And you know, I really I had mixed emotions about it because school was just out, and I'd been counting the days for three months for school to be out. We got a couple of days off, and then all of a sudden it was vacation Bible school. I really didn't I didn't have any problem with the vacation Bible school. I just thought the vacation part was taking up my vacation, you know. Well, <laughs> well it's been a lot of fun. I've, been, I'm sure I've got a lot of people to be glad when tomorrow night's over. I'm sure. Uh, I was mentioning to Mike, and I wanted to uh, lay this out for you, Bobby. Uh, I pulled up a couple of my early ringsiders. These were the ones that still had the... Uh, red red banner across the top with 25 cents, and right. uh, you know most of the page was white. And uh, this particular one, January the 12th, 1973, had Jack Briscoe on the cover, was uh, listed as number one contender for the N- contender for the NWA title. But the part that's interesting, and there was a it was a big card that night. Uh, the semifinal event. This was the introduction of the Brothers Monroe, as they were called when they came in at this time. Sputnik and Rocket uh, versus Bob Armstrong and Big Bill Dromo in the semifinal, and uh, the Monroes lost by uh, DQ. But this was the night that the two girls uh, <laughs> became their ring infants, ladies. And uh, in looking at the picture, which is on the next week, and I'll talk to you about that in a minute, uh, but at any rate, that was the night, January the 12th, 1973. Uh, the rest of the card was Mad Dog Bashan versus Jack Briscoe for the main event, Bill Watts versus The Mask Marvel. Don't know who he was, uh, and it was over in 30 seconds. Non-title match, Eddie Graham and Mike Graham versus Jim and Jerry Valentine. Uh, Norvell Austin versus Louis Talay. Talay won. Zodiac versus Jerry Oates. Uh, I think this was probably one of the very early appearances of the Zodiac. May have even been the first appearance. Jack Evans versus Bob Orton Jr. And Midget Ladies opened the card. Uh, Diamond Lil versus uh, Darling Dagmar. Now, the following week, and I thought it was on the back cover, but it was not. A picture of the Monroe Brothers taken on stage with the... uh, you know uh, the backdrop and uh, cover the pull so you couldn't see the uh, any of the the uh, seats back there on the stage. But uh, they're wearing uh, uh, Sputnik rocket or, or uh, I don't know what kind of god awful trunks they got on here. The uh, Indian black, print. 
Yeah, black boot, black boots, and uh, they both got a fresh, you know, a dye job on their goatees and on their hair. And uh, anyway, these girls uh, made the front cover, and uh, they're wearing white go-go boots, red like hot pants with a bra top with fringe on it. They're both brunettes, and uh, they've got either feathers, some kind of feather deal in their hair, or some kind of, uh, you know, little a dye job in it, but uh, they both look to be somewhere. The one on the right, the one with with uh, Rocket, she's trying to smile, but she looks scared as she can be. The one on the left does not necessarily look that, it looked that way, uh, but this was probably her second appearance, you know. She'd been around for a long time by then, and uh, they both look anywhere, <laughs> they both look anywhere between uh, 17 to 19 years of age, and uh, this was uh, the main event NWA Georgia Tag Team Champions with Eddie and Mike Graham listed as champions, so they must be saying they won them somewhere around the horn the previous week. The Monroe Brothers, the challengers. Uh, a 30-man over-the-top Russian Battle Royal. That's another one for our gimmick matches. 600-pound uh, Haystacks Calhoun was in that. Uh, the, the match below the Monroe Brothers was... Uh, Mr. Wrestling uh, versus Norvell Austin, managed by Dandy Jack. Handicap match, Bearcat Wright versus, here he was again, Mass Marvel with Dandy Jack. Uh, return match, Zodiac versus Big Bill Dromo. Uh, Bill Watts versus Red Dupree. Uh, and uh, Tank Morgan, Morgan versus uh, Pantera Negra. And Jerry Oates versus Psychedelico. And Jack Evans opened versus Bob Orton Jr. That opening match went to a uh, 20, let's see, no, 20 seconds. My mother was there that night. I was playing. So at any rate, uh, that was uh, the two appearances of the young ladies uh, that we have been discussing with the brothers Monroe. Well, there had to, I don't know if it was in Atlanta or not, but there was somewhere, um, I don't know if it was actually after was in town or not, but the one of the uh, either Inside Wrestling or the Wrestler had an article on the Munros with those two girls and their opponents in the match that night was Bob Armstrong and Bill Watts. Really? Yeah. So, uh, the, but there again, that may have been in Columbus, and they did you know they just photographed sure. it down there or whatever. But uh, <laughs> another another uh, interest. Uh, we were talking about the gimmicks last week, and I was trying to find this. Uh, and this was the card that was February 23rd, 1973. At the, it was held at the sports arena that night. So the, uh, what were the name? Sports Arena Playboys uh, didn't get a gig that evening. Uh, but the previous week at the auditorium, uh, Tim Woods, uh, under the hood, uh, wrestled Dory Funk Jr. for the title. And uh, during that match, it was, uh, you know, about 30 minutes in. I was sitting on the front row. This before I started ring announcing. Jim Bell was still doing it with my dad. I was sit- we were sitting there. And uh, and about 30 minutes in, the uh, eye bolt broke on the left upper uh, ring post. And, uh, you know, Woods had had the best of Dory Funk for some of the match. At any rate, Woods went right over that top rope. Now, I don't know if they had doctored that thing earlier and they had just been making sure they didn't touch that ring rope until that time occurred or not, but they showed that that bolt broken. And, you know, when uh, Woods went over, he laid there for about 10 or 15 minutes uh, right at our feet until some EMTs came from somewhere and picked him up. But uh, he he did. He, he went over that uh, that rope 
uh, buckle busted, and uh, he lay there. I don't think he was really out, but obviously that was the finish of the match. But I, I'm not sure how they really did that. Any ideas? Uh, I've never heard of them gimmicking an eye bolt like that. That's 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 mighty risky if they did that. Uh, like I said, the only thing I can think of is if it was, then they stayed away from it. But, uh, you know, there was never any discussion of it after that that I know of. But it was, yeah. you know, it almost looked to me like it had been cut. And, you know, that wouldn't have been done unless it was a, unless it was a gimmick, you know. Yeah, they, I don't know. they could have. I mean, I'm not saying they didn't. I just, I've never heard of that being done. Right. That's me just, either. That's just very risky. That's, that's a, you know, you're, a lot of things can happen if, if that's the case. Right. We'll have to ask Charlie yeah, could, if you've ever heard could, of They it. could have. Uh, There's some interesting you know, names on that card, those two cards. In in retrospect, like I said, you know, you don't think about it after the fact. Did those guys not go against that ring rope until that time? You know? Yeah. Because that was the last, you know. And when would they have changed it out? Because they couldn't have done it the rest of the card with nobody going No, that's that. what I'm saying. It just it doesn't seem... You know, you can't go a whole card with not touching, and there's no way. I mean, you know, the only other thing, you know, they'd have to have some kind of charge on it to blow it, and that just, nah, that's too complicated. That required too much thinking. All right. Uh, I think it probably broke, and they took advantage of the situation. Right. And then then again, he could have got hurt. He could have went over. Oh, Uh, yeah. You know, I was talking about that with uh, somebody. He might have been on our trip when me and Smitty and Randy were talking I was very blessed that in all my years, uh, I, I got I got knocked out one time when one come unhooked, but I've never I never was in the ring when one broke, and I never had a ring that I was responsible for had a rope break. But I've heard of guys hitting a rope and it breaking and then winding up in the third row. Right now, you know I, I don't remember Woods going over fast over the you know hitting the rope fast, uh, but uh, was it common? You know, and I'd never saw anybody. Uh, check it out before, but was it was it so uncommon for those things to break that, you know, I know you check out the pads, but was it uh, so uncommon for a break there that you wouldn't even look at that eye? No, you wouldn't. After you, would, you wouldn't check it unless it unless it looked like it was stripping out on you. You would never pay any attention to it. All right. So you know, it was just uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it would have had to. Uh, most of the time, when a rope broke, or when it, it would either, if it comes unraveled, if some for some reason it comes unraveled inside the, the rubber hose or the rubber tubing, you know, I mean, you have no way to know. Uh, right. You you never get a clean break. The the majority of the time I've ever seen one, when I would see one that had been broke, it would be because it pulled loose at the clamp. Uh, I I was taught. When I when I rebuilt ropes, when I would run them through, you know, I would run them onto one of the corners in the eye bolts. You would clamp it with a with a metal clamp, but I would double clamp it. I had two clamps on either side of the turnbuckle, uh, just as a safety precaution. And then you would you would tape over it to get your. T- and I would, the way I created my corners, I would take old t-shirts or old. I tried to get old t-shirts, even old underwear that you know, that was clean. You would. I would wrap them with, with I like to wrap them with, with cotton-type cloth, and then I would use white athletic tape, and I would create my turnbuckles. 
Uh, I was never a huge proponent of the pads that a lot of them use now. It was a lot of work and a, and a pain in a fanny to put them on and take them off. But uh, the way I did it, it was just a, once you had it done, it was done. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on that card that night, uh, uh, six-man tag was the main event. This was the sports arena uh, card on the uh, uh, the uh, February 23rd of 73. Tarzan Tyler, Armand Hussein, Mike, and uh, Bobby Cash versus... Uh, Bobo Brazil, Norvell Austin, and Jerry Oates. And right below that, it was Han, Hans, Hans Schmidt versus Mr. Wrestling 2. So, <laughs> did, you, did I hear you say earlier that Jerry wrestled Psychedelico? Uh, on yeah. one of those cards? Let me see. That was who he was scheduled to wrestle. Uh, let me go back and, and see that. He wrestled Zodiac on the January 12th card. Zodiac was Orton Sr., correct? Was Orton yes, Sr., yes. Yeah. That, yeah. that was the start of the build-up to the wrestling two Ortons. Jerry Oates was scheduled to wrestle Psychedelico, and they ended up putting him in in the tag team. So I don't know if Jerry – Jerry worked with somebody. Who have you got listed, Mike? I don't. I'm just the, – the, you know who Psychedelico yeah, was, he was right? a, the, bro- the brother. Mil Mascaris is the younger brother, Pablo, now, Pablo Rodriguez. Now, is he the uh, one that held the uh, light heavyweight? Or was that – who was the one that wore the half mask that was – That was uh, that was El Solitario. He was no relation to them. But, he was but the Mascaris NWA, had two uh, – Mascaris yeah, he had, had two brothers. He had, he had Pablo, which was Cicadelico, and then they had a younger brother um, – can't think of what his name is now, but it, well, he he wrestled in the name of Dos Caras. That's it. Yeah. And the current WWE guy, Alberto Del Rio, is Dos Caras' son. Okay. Um, I can't think of what the what the younger one's name was. Wasn't it Dos Caras? Was his name was Aaron. I mean, the light heavyweight, not junior heavyweight. No, that was he was that that was none of them held that title as far as I know. El Solitario did. Okay. There was a magazine article out that that when Psychedelico first came along, they did a uh, they took an old rehash of an old magazine uh, or old story where Mascaris had wrestled uh, Solitario in in L.A. and they re- redid it, took the same pictures but redid it and and said. The the headline was a typical you know uh, Western headline of or whoever had the wrestler in inside wrestling. The night I nearly killed my own brother, <laughs> and and it was a story supposedly that this guy showed up in California the, to, and challenge and uh, challenged Mascaris and he didn't recognize that it was his own brother, and till the match was over with and yeah all that junk. But the pictures it wasn't even. Cicadelico he was wrestling it was El Solitario so that may be where your confusion's coming from yeah and I think I remember that story yeah Uh, but that was not Cicadelico in those photos that was El Solitario and and they were no relation whatsoever alright and uh, I don't remember the full story about Solitario but he became a very big star in Mexico and, and Southern California and he died 
tragically somehow, and I can't remember what it is. I'll have to dig it up and, and tell you next week. But I can't think of what it, how how it was he died. I don't know if it was a ring injury or something, but um, but he died fairly young. But uh, some of the other names that, that Jim and Jerry uh, Valentine, right? Do, do you remember them? I'm thinking they were blonde, and they were, uh, uh, you know, they were not on the heavy set. They were young guys. Nope. Uh, but in in looking at it, let me see what the night was. If I was actually, I, I know they they worked more than once. Uh, not that night, but you know they were. You know this is this is not too long after the after the uh, uh, you know the all south split, so they were still right. trying to figure out who was in and who was just there for a shot or two. Uh, I don't remember who the mass mass marvel was. Uh, let me see if I can see a picture of him. Uh, no. But, uh, well, the the Valentines, unless they changed, they weren't blonde, um, and I don't know who they, uh, what their real names were. They obviously weren't brothers. One of them was tall and skinny, and the other one was short and fat, and they did a cowboy gimmick. They were they were okay. basically knockoffs of the Sky Brothers. All right, well, Bill all right. And they worked. Uh, yeah, this was, they worked uh, primarily in the Carolinas. Uh, it was outlaw promotions throughout the Carolinas. Uh, I think they worked for George Becker when he tried to run opposition to the Crockett's. But they um, they must have been around at least a couple weeks and must have been doing something for down around Columbus because they ended up being sent into Mobile for a Dothan card around that same time frame, you know, early 1973. Right. And usually if somebody showed up on a Dothan card that didn't work the rest of the territory, that meant they were working for Fred Ward, and he just sent them down there. Huh. You know, they may have done Albany and then jumped over and done, you know, done Dothan or something. Right. Well, they were, as I said, they were working with Eddie and Mike Graham, so uh, I'm wondering if maybe they had come up with them or were working in South Georgia somewhere, like you said. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I did, you know, you see some of these names and you try to rep- uh, you know, you try to place them, and once again, this is January 12, 1973. So it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of things have happened since then. <laughs> but those are some pretty, pretty strong cards, I guess. That yes. Were bringing, still bringing oh. guys in to, to fight off all south. Right. You know, and still bringing in from other, another, other territories. What I was looking at as a possible theme right there is. You know some of the guys that were being brought in from other territories uh, in the say first three to six months of, of the after all south, you know, uh, took over uh, or you know all south split off. And unfortunately, just like I did with some of my all south uh, cards, you know that we that I gave away at uh, some of our early get-togethers, Bobby. I think I did the same thing with some of these. Uh, ringsiders from that same from that same period. Because yeah, I've I've gone through and I've looked for tonight. I went through and looked for all of my ringsiders that had the you know the red banner at the top, and uh, the really early ones uh, after the first of the year, January. I'm seeing them, but the 
but the November and December cards, I'm I'm not coming up with. Well, what got me thinking about doing the theme for our show tonight, which is you know feuds in Georgia. I've been cleaning up uh, a lot of my uh, my photos. I've been going through my action shots um, and seeing a lot of the ones from Georgia and uh, just a lot of the different guys that came through here and, and you know, feuded with other guys and everything. One that, that struck me was, was DeMarco. Did he come in here initially as a baby face? Yes. And then he had a feud with uh, Buddy Colt and Homer O'Dell, right? And then he yep. ended up teaming with them. Yep. Well, I remember. I remember Demarco being managed by Homer O'Dell. He eventually, that's what I was going to say. He was eventually was managed by Homer O'Dell, and uh, he had a he had several matches against Funk Jr. when he was the champion, and uh, uh, one match. The, the first time, the first match they worked against each other, um, they, uh, I forget what the deal was, but somehow or another, uh, the big deal was it was that, that DeMarco actually beat him and he, they were cheated and whatever. And there was, I remember as a kid, here again, going back, I'm doing this as a kid, I remember a picture in the ringsider of of uh, DeMarco wearing the, the world title, wearing a, wearing a belt. Right. Well, that is against the NWA bylaws. You cannot show, you cannot show a, a wrestler wearing that belt that's not the champion. So that was a big deal. They booked a rematch, and in either the first rematch or the second rematch, they worked a deal where Odell cost him the title, and that was the beginning of the breakup of the Odell Demarco uh, run as uh, a team. What? But that was God. That's really going back. Yes. Now, do you remember? I remember Odell claiming Demarco to be the uncrowned champion. Right. You know. Right. And uh, one of then, the pictures I came across is is Demarco standing with a you know ten twelve year old boy, and the boy's holding a poster that says Paul Demarco, the world heavyweight champion, has got his picture on it. Right. So I'm and, sure that was something that was done for one of the programs. Yeah, that was part of that was part of that program there or something. I'm sure. And 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 in part of that thing, and like I said, this is why you know I was watching sporadically. Uh, Homer Odell was calling him the uncrowned champion, and there was one more match, you know, and uh, it wasn't talked about that he was leaving. Demarco was leaving, but uh, there was a big build-up for that Friday night match. Demarco left, and then he was. You know, there was no more discussion of him. He was gone. So, yeah. you know, I don't, uh, I don't know exactly how that frame worked or when he came back, but, but I do remember, as, as Mike said, he was, uh, you know, feuded with him, and then all of a sudden, whatever happened, Odell started managing him and calling him the uncrowned champion. I can remember. I never. That's a guy that I never had the chance to be in a ring with. Uh, I, I can remember just, I mean, not knowing any better, but now that I look back on it. What a polished worker he was, and I never heard anybody say a bad thing about his work. Uh, but I never had a chance to meet him; never was in the ring with him. But uh, uh, I sure didn't enjoy watching him. Mm-hmm. And you know, he after he left Georgia, he went out to San Francisco, and he was out there for 
years and years was was Roy Shire's main heel out there for several years, and then he just dropped off the face of the earth, and then oddly enough came back in the eighties under a different name. Really, working for Vern Gagne. He was working what? as a Russian up there. Yeah, he was working as a Russian. Yeah, I saw him on TV or on one of those tapes. What wasn't Demarco the one that had all the pictures from the West Coast working with Freddie Blassie, or or, or was yeah. that? Uh, no, yeah, that was Chris they, Markoff. That was uh, Markoff. Uh, okay, but he must have been out there about the same time as Blassie, right? Yeah, Blassie West. was in L.A., but Demarco was in uh, was in San Francisco. Okay. Charlie Smith Northern can California. probably answer this better than me, but I remember. I think I remember Smitty telling me that Demarco. Was uh, he was a jeweler, and he went into the jewelry business or something uh, when he got out of the business, or was doing that while he was still in the business. Now I may be wrong there, but I'm thinking that's what I was what he told me. Well, speaking of Smitty, if he's a, he if he's listening, let's go ahead and get him on with us because we were doing right. that anyway. All righty, we were. Yuri Gurlenko, that was the name that he came back under. Gurlenko, huh? Yep, uh, Yuri Smith, Gurlenko. Yeah. Charlie I mean, Smith uh, is with us. Yes. Charlie Smith is with us. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. Hey, well, the only thing I ever heard anybody say about DeMarco was is is he wasn't as good as he thought he was. In fact that may have been that may have been something Smitty said. <laughs> he was a hell of a walk over. Yeah, that's what I, I, I never got a chance was, to see. He was a top star here in the sixties, gentlemen. Yep. Smitty, didn't you tell me, wasn't he a jeweler or in the jewelry business or something? No, that was Garibaldi. Oh, that was Garibaldi, okay. Yeah, Garibaldi was in the jewelry business. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know how this uh, kid that comes to Las Vegas, uh, Doc, he takes pictures. He asked me one time that I have a picture of DeMarco. Uh, action picture. I said, yeah. He said, how about sending it to me? Because the Marco would like to have it, uh, that he thought he was getting a little Dimitri. And um, I asked Doc, "How's he doing?" He don't he don't never say nothing no more about it. <laughs> but he still hmm. lives in San Francisco, somewhere out there. <clears throat> huh. Yeah, I've heard he was a great worker. I've never even seen video of him. Yeah, I got some pictures of him. Uh, he about ten pictures, you know, him boxing, all juiced in his, all, he's all juiced up. I did that, I don't know. I was refereeing it. Yeah. He did a blade job with boxing gloves on. Well, he, he had a he had a corner man, right, Charlie? No, not that. Remind, remind, remind me next time we're together, and I'll show you, Mr. Renesto. Right. Mr. Renesto taught me how to do that. Did he? Yes, sir. No. Um, talk about uh, y'all go uh, talk about uh, uh, big uh, balls and all that. The biggest one I know of is um, Ted Ted Oates and uh, what the hell's his name? Wayne, Wayne Cowan. Wayne Cowan. That's the that's the biggest one in. Uh, I can't even talk tonight, can I? Tonight, tomorrow night, either one. Or last <laughs> week either, for that matter. But. I know it, yeah. But they are, 
Yeah, during the sixties though, that late fifties and sixties, uh, and um, the damn, I forgot his name. I got it wrote down here. Wesley and Gunkle had a big feud in the fifties and early sixties. How about El Mongo? He had a few. Uh, few uh, El Mongo and Tim, Mister Wrestling, had a great run together. Uh, well, Gunkle and Fuller and the, the Assassins was probably another they, one that was. Yeah, they had a good run. I was fixing to say the Torres brothers had a great run with the Vachons. With the Vachons, yeah. They had a great run with the Anderson brothers. They had a great run with the Red Raiders, who was Willie Garrett and Dick Dunn. Right. Well, how about Billy Spears and Roberto Soto? Spears and Soto, yeah, that that one lasted twenty years. Yes, it's uh. I, I know that I know there were some some feuds that kind of lapped over from other territories. Like I know Buddy Fuller and and Mario, you know, had a bunch of uh, matches up there, and, and uh, down in, in Columbus, Mario and and Billy Spears kind of carried over. Both those carried over from the Gulf Coast. And if you talking about Spears, Spears and Ricky Gibson. You know, had a long-running thing in you know out of the Mobile territory, and they they hooked up some up here as well too, didn't they? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But Spears thing and Soto thing was so hot here that, that they just there was no way they was going to override it with anybody else, even if they had tried. And they were just you know low card guys that had just clicked. Yep, and, it just clicked. Uh, I'll tell you another one that. that uh, the first big feud I remember as a kid going to the matches was Joe Scarpa and Stan Stasiak. I mean, they wrestled every, they wrestled in every kind of conceivable match you could think of for weeks at the auditorium, and finally they came down to a loser leaves town, and and uh, Scarpa beat Stasiak. I, and then I'll they did it all Char- over again in New York. I'll go back Scarpa with Charlie on this when Eddie. When uh, Jerry Graham and uh, Eddie Graham were working here, uh, I guess it was late fifties. Uh, was was that who were they feuding with, John? With, Graham uh, Brothers. Darko and I can't think anything now. You got me on that, and I know it was Jocko. Would have been McIntyre. It might have been, Could have been. John McIntyre. Yeah, McIntyre. Yeah, they were uh, uh, two owners. Get, that was a, money out of that. that was a big feud, and uh, I can remember seeing Jerry Graham uh, doing the talking. Uh, but uh, I mean, they were appearing on local TV shows that weren't, you know, on Channel 11, and uh, and uh, it it was really it was really getting promoted because you know they had come from New York, and uh, so they were they were big news, and uh, I, I figured. Uh, that uh, Ray Kunkel was tied up in it, but it's, that's just, you know, I was, you know, uh, Bobby talking about it when he was young, uh, getting started in it, but that that was that was young for me. I, I can just remember them as, you know, wrestling to me was TV guys, and uh, and uh, I can remember them being on on TV on shows that were not that were local shows that weren't wrestling shows. And y'all remember Tokyo Joe? Yeah. Yeah, a lot Which of one? Gawko. Well, I was in Atlanta in 1960s, early part of the 60s. I remember the name. 
Yeah. You know, the thing I found I, I found interesting <coughs> is Chief Little Eagle booked here a lot, didn't he? Especially in the '60s, didn't he, Charlie? He heard you. Charlie, Charlie are you there? Well, did he hang up? We may have lost Let him. me see. No, it's... <clears throat> yeah, he did book here some, I know. But, but the thing is, I he never, I never see his name listed on top anywhere. You know, he never, he not, never had a, a run with any kind of titles or anything. And see, when he, he booked not, Mobile, he, he was, was always on top. He was not a big guy. I remember him working. Seems like tag team match, you know. And uh, yeah, he teamed with like Dromo that. a lot. I know. He and Dromo were tag team partners quite a bit because Bill told me that himself. Well, but another he guy was, that had a good run here, but I don't, I don't remember any big feuds. And, and they, I'm, but he, but he wrestled. He he beat everybody that he wrestled against. Was Fritz von Erich. I, I don't remember him at all. I don't remember him at all working here. He had a big run here. I can remember going, you know, going to the matches. You know, but like I say, the first match I ever went to, he was in the main event, but he wrestled Lorenzo Perini, and I never saw Lorenzo Perini in another main event anywhere other than Tennessee. <laughs> but you know, a uh, great guy, but <laughs> a funny sucker. But he was, you know, he just. Uh, uh, but it was somebody new every week. I remember, you know, because I can remember. Uh, I remember they were announcing that night that uh, Eddie Graham would be here the next week to wrestle the winner of the main event, you know, and of course that turned out to be Fritz von Erich, and they brought Eddie Graham in the next week to wrestle him, but I just, I don't, uh, I don't remember any any one specific person he had a big feud with here. Hmm. Yeah, it did. I mean, we're we're going we're going back, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, if you think about it, like I said, '73 is a long time ago. So when you're going back to the late '50s and the early '60s, well, I'm uh, talking '64 with the Von Erich run. Okay. Was Joe Scarper? He had a run with Joe Scarper. Did he? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Mean, I don't. I remember that because I got some pictures of it. You know, another run that was uh, off and on, you know, they used to have seconds in the corners. They had Tiger Kirkland and Tiny Oxford in each corner. Tiger was in the heel corner, and uh, Tiny was with the baby face. And, of course, they uh, get in the feud every once in a while, and they'd bring them back. The networking program for a couple of weeks. The seconds. When did they quit doing the seconds? You remember anybody remember? I never saw him. Only second I knew was Donnie Payne. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> I think it's the same thing. Uh, Charlie, do you remember when Donnie started doing that? I was okay. I thought Bobby might know that. Had to be had to be in the uh Golly, I don't know. Does he had to be the seventy late yeah, mid to late seventies I would guess. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about it. Well he was he was uh maybe before I don't know. 
I think he was doing it before I started uh, working as ring announcer, and that was uh, seventy, you know, seventy four. So early seventy. Could be. What was with Gunkel and All South? We talked about Ted and and and, uh, Wayne Cowan, but who? I guess the, the top few there would have been between Jody and, and Tom, wouldn't it, when they split? No. Nope. Uh, well, the, the first one that was brought over, the, the first one that was brought over was still from the NWA days, which was uh, Dick Steinborn and the Assassin Two using that nerve hole finish. Yeah. Uh, that was, you know, that was going prior to the break, and then it continued to be a top match. After the break, yeah, basically anything they had going at the time of the break continued because we had all the guys, right? Uh, but as but as time went on with, go, I mean, we had some, you know, Ernie Ladd and Ox Baker had a big thing going for you know a year, uh, off and on, uh, because Ernie would just come in, he would generally just work. He would generally come in and work Monday and Tuesday. He'd work he'd work either Augusta or Columbus, and then he would work uh, he'd work Atlanta on Tuesday nights. And normally he was out after that. Uh, the Jody and Tom thing was a big run. Hmm. Uh, the big angle that they shot when we ran our one Omni show was Tom and Rock Hunter. Uh, oh yeah. We had. Uh, I'm trying to think. Well, we had. Uh, uh, How about Tommy Ziegler and the Assassin? Tommy Ziegler and the Assassin. Uh, you had uh, uh, the Missouri Mauler and Argentina Apollo had a had a pretty good run. I guess. Yeah, they had brought that down here from the from the Carolinas. Carolinas, yeah. Uh, and then Apollo you, and then had, had, a, that had a pretty big uh, deal with uh, Wild Man Jack Armstrong too, didn't he? Yeah, Jack Jack had a good run with some folks. Yeah. Uh, him and Siegler had some good matches. They had a uh, 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 we did a deal. Where we did a little angle where they exposed that uh, that uh, you know where Jody took his mask off, and then they exposed that Larry Hamilton was his brother, and they teamed yep. they teamed those guys up uh, against uh, uh, Rock Hunter against Luke Luke Graham, who was working as a mighty Yankee, and uh, Crusher Verdue, and you know we just. It was a combination of, uh, uh, I mean, you know, they they just we we got we had the talent, but it got to the point where we had them working against each other, and it had to be in cycles, right? Because, where they weren't bringing new guys in. I guess the best, and I don't know, Smitty may agree, disagree. I guess the the two guys that we brought in that came in here that stayed the longest, that probably and, and worked out to be a good good deal with everybody was uh, when they brought uh, Jonathan Boyd and. Uh, Norman Charles in here. They came in as a Royal Kangaroos, and uh, they kind of added some fresh blood to the tag team scene, and they stayed here a good while. Was uh, Jerry Brown and Buddy Roberts already working? They weren't working for the Atlanta office when uh, when All South started up, were they? Yes, they were. Yes, they were. They were. They, were. they, were. they came over. They came the over and stayed. Show. They stayed a couple of weeks, uh, left, was gone a month, and came back to the other office. They right. sent them to Florida, and they talked them into leaving, sent them to Florida, and then brought them back. I do remember that they did work for All, All South, at least for a short while. 
Yeah, yeah, but they were they were part of they were part of the crew that went over when the split came. Yeah, they was on our first tape we ever made. Ever made it over the ball gym. Yeah. You know, we did that yeah. one show where we talked about the uh, beginning to the end of that when Mike was off, and uh, I, I don't have my notes, but we went through a lot of. Uh, you know, you know, a lot of different feuds, uh, like you said, Bobby. Some of them that were still hanging around uh, before the split, and then some of them that really, you know, took off afterwards. Yeah, it was the first year. The first year, man, it was a, uh, it was a. Uh, uh, both sides were doing great business, mm-hmm. and uh, then is the. Building contracts started running out, and we lost some building. You know, it changed. But yeah, that first year, man, what a what a great time it was to be a fan and to be in the business around here. We we had a lot of fun. Right and around, then, you know, that, it, around that same time was when uh, late '73 is when when Shane started coming up to to Atlanta. Did I mean he had been there before as a babyface? Right, but he came back. Yeah. Was there anybody that they hooked him up with, as far as a particular feud or anything? I wasn't uh, there, but I, but I know the original. That's the way they got Ricky Gibson over up here. I was, think uh, you know Tim Woods was uh, looked at as a uh, you know somebody was kind of looking out for Ricky Gibson, and I do think that uh, Tim Woods uh, was one of the guys that uh, worked against Shane and. Uh, Probably because they had it. They probably brought that up from Florida because they had been, you know, had a big thing going on down in Florida over the Southern title. Right. I'm looking to see if just with one of these three ringsiders, if I, uh, if I see anything on that. And I know down in Fred Ward's towns, they used Bobby mainly in tag teams with Gorgeous George, and I guess they worked a lot with Bob and uh, Dromo Armstrong and Dromo down there. How about the Mongols? Nito and Gito and uh Well at the time that they were at All South was was wasn't it Gito and Bolo or was yeah, Beppo was still Bolo. with them? No, it was Beppo. It was, it was Bill Edie and Newton Tatry. Yeah, Bolo. Yeah. He was Bolo. Yeah, yeah. In this January nineteenth, nineteen seventy three ringsider, they're showing a picture in a, of a clean cut Bobby Shane. Uh, in the back with the tag team belt, which is the same one, Charlie, that you were holding up on the front of your DVD, the picture of Shane with Doug Gilbert. Uh, and uh, so this was a holdover. Uh, it's the same one Bobby him. Simmons has got in his his cabinet at his house. Yeah. So they were they were getting ready to bring Shane back in, and I remember when they did because he was announced and he came down uh, from backstage, you know, and. People were clapping, and they expected to see this uh, clean-cut guy. And of course, he he had the longer hair, and and uh, he had the stare on his face when he came down with the with the king uh, uh, king of wrestling crown. And uh, so, it, and smoking the cigar, of course. And uh, it didn't it didn't take but two or three minutes uh, for the uh, you know the crowd to catch on. Uh, J.C. Dykes also with the Infer- uh, the fabulous Infernos was uh, one of the tag teams that really really became big uh, after you know uh, w- when the new regime was starting to form uh, for the Atlanta booking office. 
But the feud that was really on top for quite some time was the Zodiac versus Wrestling 2. And I can remember the blow-off on that. Uh, uh, Bob Orton Jr. came down to ringside. Uh, the Zodiac was hurt. This was the final match. And uh, he came down and told Two, who was a friend of Orton Jr., to, you know, to stop the match. And uh, he said, he's my father. And he took off the mask, and that was it. You know, he was he had been the Zodiac down in Florida. Right. And uh, he had a tag team partner called Taurus. A little trivia question. Any of you guys know who Taurus was? Well, I assume somebody you all know. Somebody you guys all know. Uh, was Taurus based on another Zodiac sign? I assume it was. That's pretty much. A, yeah, that's what it was. I have no yeah. idea. Smitty, you know? I'm trying to think. No. I don't. Dennis Hall. Initials? Dennis Hall. Dennis Hall. Yep. Did he wear a mask? He wore a mask and got unmasked. I'm trying to think who beat that him. That would have protected his hair, so he probably liked that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love him. I'm trying to think. I think maybe it was Tim Woods that beat him for the for the mask. I know that's who beat uh, Orton and took the Zodiac mask off of him was Tim Woods. You know, that was interesting because uh, Tim Woods down there was in Florida at that point was wrestling without the mask. And, uh, right. And uh, and uh, wrestling, too, which Johnny Walker was in the grappler. And, uh, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, the grappler was the baby face, and Tim Woods was the heel. And Woods was using a, uh, a uh, metal knee brace. Yeah, uh, in, in his matches, I was I was seeing this while I was down working in Albany, at a station down there, and he was using a, a steel knee brace, uh, you know, to uh, end the feud or to try to end the feud, and uh, Walker ended up unmasking, and uh, at the end of that, and then of course when it came up here, they did the big feud that lasted for months and months and months. They turned Walker uh, a heel. Uh, against Tim Woods as the baby face, and that ended up with a Woods being uh, shaved, uh, head shaved in the ring, which was not that big of a deal really either. He, uh, but uh, at any rate, I remember the guy climbing into the ring, being introduced, and uh, uh, shaving uh, Woods' head with the uh, electric clipper. And that was another, when I was going through my pictures, I had a series of pictures of uh, Woods as Mr. Wrestling going against Kaniski, which is, we've talked about that match here. And, of course, he's got his finger bandaged up, and the, and the last picture in the, the series is is uh, Kaniski working over that finger to make him give up. Right. Huh. Who did, uh, this is Smitty, who did, Blassie mainly feud with because he was here starting back in the the late fifties. Really? Yeah. And also uh, Don McIntyre and also Ray Gunkel. The chief little legal, the chief little legal Blassie feud was a shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Outside the ring, outside the ring, anyway. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, he, uh, I'd his guts, you know. He was the booker, you know. Uh, Little League was. Yeah. And, uh, Blessing was the booker before Little Eagle. That's when I was working for him. Now, Blassie eventually turned turned babyface up here t- towards the the early part of the seventies, right? Well, and his I his trip in, back yeah. from California. Yeah. Well, you know, he was uh, he he was knifed by that fan here, and uh, got out of the business for a while and worked for that car dealership. Right. I can't remember remember which one it was, Bobby. You might remember. He worked for Al Means Ford, but he had to he had to get out. He had to have a kidney removed. That's it. And they told him that he was never going. You know, the deal was that he could never wrestle again because he was having to have a kidney removed. And when he had the kidney removed and he went to work for the car dealership, it just naturally made him a babyface. People felt sorry for him, yep. and they brought him back. He had a little run against Mario Galento. Uh, matter of fact, the first match I ever saw where barbed wire surrounded the ring. Was Blassie and uh, uh, Galento? Yeah, but yeah, Blassie was a uh, Smitty story about them two hating each other. Uh, they bought Cadillacs the same week, uh, and and did not know that they had. They didn't know that they had bought identical Cadillacs. There's no way they would have done it. And I don't really know who bought first, but uh, they used to go to Hoganville on Saturday night after the live TV. And, yes, sir. Uh, Black- Blassie got on TV and said that, uh, uh, you pistol neck geeks in Hoganville, I'm on the way down there and I'm driving my new Cadillac and I don't want y'all putting your hands on it and blah, 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 blah. And then he rode down there with somebody, but, but Little Eagle drove his. They cut the tires right off that thing, right to the ground. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Blassie loved it. <laughs> Hoganville was a bad town, too, you know. One time we were there, Charlie Harvin, Joe Scoffer, I mean, not Joe, but uh, yeah, Jody Hamilton hit somebody. And when he hit him, he, he had blown, was kidding for everybody in the building. They had to fight all the way from the ring to the dressing room. Charlie Harvin told Jody, he said, don't you know, don't know. Nobody here is because everybody's kin to everybody in Hoganville. <laughs> How far was uh, Hoganville from Atlanta? I've, I've heard the town forever and ever, but I'm not really familiar with it. What, Hoganville? Yeah. It's it's about 75 miles. So it's before you get to Noonan. Okay. That's past, no, past Noonan. Boy, Grantville, Hoganville. Yeah, yeah, it was probably 45 miles, maybe 50, but well, back then there wasn't no interstate. No, we had to go right. to Fedville. Yeah. yeah. Go down 85 to Fedville, get on 54, and 54 over to Hoganville. And the police are always in Fedville waiting on everybody. Yeah, interstate. Interstate's really made town. a big difference. Yep, make Big that oh. Yeah, what's a 30-minute drive right now? You know, if if you can get on the interstate and they're not, they've not got it cut up working on it, uh, like uh, 75 going south, once you get down past Eagles Landing, it's, uh, you might as well be walking. 
but uh, the interstate made a big difference in taking a you know what was a 90-minute drive and turned it into a 45-minute drive. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Columbus was another, especially on Saturdays trying to make that live TV. We had to go through Fayetteville and Sanoa and Gay and Woodbury and right down that line. And every policeman down there knew they knew we were coming. Um, I was following Jerry Stubbs one Saturday. We were going. We had went through Warm Springs, and in Warm Springs you go up a mountain, you go up Pine Mountain, and you go back down the other side. And uh, as we're coming down the other side, we're making pretty good time. And and uh, I hit Jerry on the on the CB, and I said, "Hey, buddy," I said, "Be careful." I said, uh, "There's a, a state trooper likes to sit behind this billboard down here at the bottom of the hill." And I said, he takes pictures. I said, you know, we've got to be careful. And uh, uh, Jerry said, well, uh, yeah. I said, uh, he, so he said something about movies or something. I don't know. Well, when he went by that sign, he was in front of me. That state trooper was sitting there. And I wasn't, you know, I was clipping along pretty good behind him. And the state trooper keyed in on the CB, and he said, you boys like a screen test. <laughs> you ought to heard, you ought to heard Jerry, uh, Jerry Stubbs explaining he was a county mountain in Clayton County. <laughs> <laughs> we were coming back from Columbus one time, me and Trish Phillips. That's when he was a wild man, Phillips. And they pulled us over in uh, Manchester. And the sheriff there, he come around, walked around the car, and he said, who is that guy there? I said, it's wild man, Phillips. He said, he sure looks like he's wild. What have y'all been drinking? He said, well, we just opened a couple of beers, first one. He said, well, y'all take it easy and let that wild man stay in the car, too. Trish <laughs> Phillips was looking wild. He had that long beard and everything. Covered his whole face. He wrestled in long johns and in, in, in boxer shorts, didn't he? Yeah. Hmm. Did Ox Baker ever work here as the Ox? And that no. gimmick before no. he became uh, no. Oxbaker. He came to Mobile. No, he was, and, he was and, already and known the for the hard punch. Hard punch, and he had uh, been out there in the Midwest with the Torres situation. And uh, yeah, uh, and when he came here, so he already had that reputation going for him. Hard punch. He first came into Mobile in 60, 69, I guess it was. And he was uh he wrestled in the long johns and the uh box, you know, silk boxers and uh um high top Chuck Taylors. He did that the first couple of weeks and then he, he then he just went to long black tights and everything but uh You have the handlebar mustache then? No, he didn't he was clean shaven. And had hair. Didn't have a yeah, whole lot of hair. I wasn't Yeah, he was probably you probably worked a match with, with between him and Bobby Fields because that's just about all he worked the whole time he was there. Except when he he and he and uh, Jim Dalton were a tag team for a while, but mainly working against uh, Bobby Fields and Ken Lucas. But. Um, but I've I've seen video of him from uh, I'm trying to think where it was. 
I can't remember the patrol the uh, promotion now, but he was he was a babyface called the Friendly Ox, and he wore these horn rim glasses. And, uh, uh, <laughs> I played a picture and, uh, of that one time. And uh, uh, like a like an army army cap and trench coat over that that outfit with the boxer shorts and the long johns and the and the, the high top sneakers. Was that in Cleveland? Might have been in Cleveland, yeah. Might have been. Hey, I got Dennis Mitchell. He's been hanging on here for uh, uh, for about an hour. So, uh, Dennis, you're on the air. You got anything you want to say to us? Yeah, guys. How y'all doing tonight? All right. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Y'all was talking about Native American wrestlers last week. I emailed Michael the other day. Two other guys y'all forgot to mention that are Native Americans a little bit, Ron and Robert Fuller. Well, I didn't know they were Native Americans. Yeah, they, they have some Indian in them, I believe. They were born in Oklahoma. Well, they, they grew well, yeah, all, those, all those Welches are from Pahuska, Oklahoma, which is a big Indian reservation. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's pretty interesting there uh, and all that. Y'all was, I enjoyed that show last week. It was good about Chief. Jay Strongbow, Joe Scarper, he wasn't a real Indian, I know. Not like Wahoo McDaniel was. You know, so Wahoo was a real McCoy when it came to that. that. Well, Joe said he was. He said he was a full-blooded Sicilian. (laughs) Really? (laughs) He'd say say he was a Sicilian, and then sometimes he'd say he was a Wapaho. Uh Uh-oh. Look out. I tell you. (laughs) He said it, not me. Uh-oh. I was going to ask y'all, do y'all remember a preliminary wrestler that was built from Riverside or Riverdale, Georgia, named Marvin Turner? Do y'all yeah, know what he's doing now? Yeah. Marvin's yes, a good worker. Yeah. What's he doing now? I don't know. I don't know what happened to Marvin. Marvin he worked was in a, a, good, he a professional worked in a butcher, butcher shop. Yeah. Yes, he worked in a butcher shop when he was working on doing TV jobs. Yeah. I, I got to know him a little bit because he was friends with a uh, one of my friends from high school, and, and uh, his sister knew Marvin. And matter of fact, he, Marvin came up to me uh, one weekend at TV and said, uh, uh, call this number because my friend had been uh, living in Ohio and he was back down here. And that's one of the things I remember about Marvin. And, I, you know, in, in talking to him, that's what he had told me. I asked him what he did because I was doing stories on a few guys. And uh, I asked him what he did other than, you know, working on t- as a TV wrestler. And he said he was a, b- a butcher. That's amazing. Yeah, Marvin was amazing. A, he was a good worker. He was just small. He's like yeah, Gerald Friendly. Yeah, he was. I remember he was a little heavy set. I remember. I know he had black hair back then. I remember that. Yeah. And, and all that. Now, I got a good memory you, about them. Names we yeah. could throw out. You remember? You guys remember Jack Poor? Yes. Yeah. I, I can see time, him. I don't remember. I I introduced him a lot on TV also. Man. Jay, help me out. There was a guy, and we used to all rib him all the time. He He would... He was pale as a ghost's butt. He was paler than Tim Woods. Had dark hair and a pencil, uh, old-fashioned pencil-thin mustache. 
He always wore green trunks and black boots, but he never had any athletic trunks, and he never wore athletic socks. He wore black dress socks under his boots, and he always had on white BVDs. And his name was Charles something, but I swear I cannot remember his last name to save my was life. It, it wasn't Charles Fulton, was it? No, no, it wouldn't no, it wouldn't have been Charlie Fulton. This was a guy that was strictly a TV. TV yeah, he was, he, right? was a, he was a straight, straight job boy, just like I was. Yeah. And he wasn't he wasn't one of Jackson's guys, so I don't know where he come from. But he was there just yeah. about every week. What was his and, first name yeah. again? Charles. Oh, I was yeah. thinking of. No, who was the guy that was the guitar player that was up here with his brother? That never was. Oh, Mike. oh that was a, uh, Mike. Mike. Uh, his brother was Jimmy Holiday. What was the other? What did the guy work? Yeah. Johnny Ho- Johnny Holiday. Uh, Jim Holiday was the guy that he was the he was the manager for two weeks and thought he knew everything in the world. Uh, yeah, Mike. Uh, yeah. yeah, Mike. Mike. Mike, Mike Fever. Mike Fever. That's him. Yeah, yes. Mike Fever. Yeah, Mike Fever was curly haired. Yeah, he had curly hair. Yeah. You know, he just yeah, stood he there and took cur- a beating. Just stood there. He did. I'm surprised he, he kept getting there. booked. I, I don't understand how he did it. <laughs> well, you remember the uh, um, the Owens brothers, right? Bob and Lynn Owens? Yeah, I remember Bob. He was a heavy set guy, too. Is he still alive? No, he died uh, two or three years ago. I didn't but know he that. had a brother Sorry, named Lynn. And Lynn worked too. Lynn was they originally from? Was they from Kansas originally? The, I don't remember the where they were from. The first time well, I ever I met just, Bob, he was he was refereeing for Fuller. Okay. Before and then he came back and started doing. Uh, he would do jobs on Dothan TV, and then he was next thing I know he was up in Atlanta. But his brother Lynn was doing TV jobs first. Well, you know, uh, uh, you know, Ken Tim's younger uh, brother Ed. Ed, Ed, you know, Ed yeah. used to get beat up pretty regular on TV. Yeah, he was, he another was guy, first... another guy from Georgia that, that was he was a friend of Marvin Turner. He was a fireman. His name was Jack Poor. Oh yeah, yeah Jack, I Jack Poor. Jack used to do TV. I remember. Yeah, him. Jack was a little before, before my time. I don't remember much about Jack, you know. But y'all was talking about the wrestlings in the sixties with Fritz von Derrick and all. Was there? Was there any uh, particular wrestler, Bobby, when you was growing up, other maybe other than the Sheik? Was there a wrestler as a fan when you was growing up as a kid? Was there a wrestler that terrified you? Sputnik Monroe. <laughs> Sputnik. <laughs> yeah. I, I was afraid of Sputnik all. Monroe as I was a loaded gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what about you, Michael and Jay? Well, you the know, only, the only one that ever scared me, and I was grown, was Archie Goldie, the Mongolian stomper. The first time he came into Mobile in 70, 70, late 78, early 79, he had yeah. Gorgeous George with him. Uh-huh. And uh, I knew George, you know, and, and, and was uh, had, you know, been around George a little bit. But he brought Stomper in there, and he worked a guy. His first appearance, they, they had a big show in, in – uh, in the auditorium, they they'd moved out of Expo Hall because they were expecting a huge crowd, and I think the main event was Harley Race against uh, 
Fuller for the title is the reason they they moved into the big auditorium. But they brought the Stomper in. He worked in like the second or third match, and he worked with a guy that uh, another guy that used to do jobs on TV in Atlanta. But he was from Birmingham. A guy by the name of Ronnie Horn. Uh-huh. And uh, they put Ronnie was in the ring with his warm up jacket on, and and Archie came out, jumped in the ring, ripped his clothes off of him. And beat him in like fifteen seconds. Yeah. Pretty quick. Uh, yeah. He was. He was just. He was. I was terrified of him. And like he I said, I was. I was he nineteen. Was you know, I was twenty years old, and I was was terrified of him. But as yeah. far as uh, being a kid and being afraid of anybody, I can't. I can't think of anybody that I was afraid of other than like. Uh, the wrestling pro, and it's yeah. just he just his just persona, you know. He wore that all white white outfit and everything, and then I was afraid of him just because of, of how wild he was. Until uh, I got over that when when Mike Boyette nicknamed him Casper the Ghost, and so that's what <laughs> I kind of took that away from him. So that's what I would holler at him whenever whenever he worked heel, I'd call him Casper the Ghost. Well, you know, I was I was talking about uh, Dr. Jerry Graham, and he had come here in the 50s with a reputation, you know, coming from New York, and uh, Eddie was here as his partner, and he was doing one of those afternoon uh, talk shows, and, and, you know, that had a studio audience here at one point in Atlanta, and uh, somebody asked him, you know, what was he a doctor of, and he said hypnotism. And he called, I assume it was a mark, I don't know, from the audience up. And he put the guy to sleep and, uh, you know, just uh, doing his hypnotism act. And, uh, you know, I I thought that was uh, pretty impressive. But he was such a big guy, and he was a good talker. And I just say as a small kid, he uh, he was somebody that, uh, you know, I just thought he was somebody you didn't you didn't want to mess around with. Yeah, during the 70s, guys, I'm not sure if he ever made any shots in Georgia. What about, did Kevin Lou Albano ever made any short-term shots in Georgia or not? Um, no, I never I never ran across him. Who? Never, yep. Albano. Kevin Lou Albano. You know, he was one of the brother teams for the, uh, the old man McMahon up there in the WWF. And uh, yeah. what were they, the Sicilians? The Sicilians, yeah. and Tony yeah. Altamore, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. you know, I just think he went from, I think he was just there forever. He just went from that into being a manager, and then a goofy manager yeah. with, you know, stuff in his beard. And then he lucked out with that uh, uh, video music stuff that came along, Cindy Lauper. Yeah. And, and uh, from there he became Super Mario, you know, so... He, uh, I, just I don't know out. if he had a piece of the office up there or not, but he was he was uh, had been around a long time up there, and he was uh, he couldn't he couldn't stay sober enough for for him to be <laughs> one of the guys that took care of a town. But you know he was he was a crony. You know yeah. you had the guys that, that had a piece of the office like Monsoon and and uh, Angelo Savoldi and uh, Scoland. They all had a yeah. piece of the office, and they all took care of different towns up there. Um, 
that's the reason they always gave Scolan. He always managed like he managed Bruno for all those years. He was a bag man is basically yep. what he was. He was Vince's and bag man. He, but. Yes, I read that he would work in either the opening or the second match, and right. he would go shower and put his clothes on, and then it was his job to collect the money. Yep. Yeah. That's what it about Captain Lou Albano. I know I never got to meet him. I know none of y'all never met Captain Lou Albano at any NWA conventions like in Cauliflower Alley or places like that. No, I don't think he ever came around to anything like that. No, he, never, never saw him. He was a local. Man, he was he was born and raised in in Mount Carmel, New York, and I don't think other yeah. than when he and Altamore were the Sicilians. They would travel to uh, Chicago and do shots from Chicago, but at that time, in the early 60s, Fred Kohler, and uh, he got mo- the bulk of his talent from McMahon, from Capitol. Yeah. And uh, and then when, when Bruno opened up Pittsburgh, when he bought uh, Pittsburgh from uh, Pedro Martinez and was running Pittsburgh, as he used a lot of the of Capitals talent, but you know it was a separate promotion. And uh, his two main heel tag teams were the Mongols and the Sicilians. Yeah, that's interesting, guys. Well, guys, y'all have a good night. Keep up good work as always. Y'all are real entertaining, and I appreciate everything y'all do. And y'all have a good week. Thank you. All right, thanks, thanks Dennis. Dennis. God, I was thinking about all those guys that used to do jobs on TV: Dale Vesey, Bob Brown. I don't know. I know he and he and Bob Brown had a gym or something. I was thinking it was in Carrollton. Nothing I heard of him. He was living in Albany. That's well, no, that's where this where he was from. Who's that? Del Vesey. No, okay. And Chick Donovan when he I remember Chick Donovan when he still had brown hair. <laughs> was doing jobs on TV. <laughs> Before he was the golden boy. Before he was a gold. Before he before he, he slipped and fell in all the glitter. I uh, I was really shocked when I saw him at Ted Allen's uh, funeral. I had not seen him in years and years and years, and he was decked out. I mean, you know, come on, we're at a funeral here, folks. You're not doing a photo op, and uh, it was unbelievable. Well, the first time he came to Mobile. He was wearing a, a, a white three-piece suit and, you know, with all that white hair and everything. He's a, he's a Ric Flair wannabe. And, well, I remember uh, one time he was beg- down at TV, he was begging Tommy Rich to take him down to Columbus TV with him after, uh, you know, after after the Atlanta TV. And, you know, he had short blonde hair and, you know, he... He was trying, but uh, I just couldn't believe it when I saw him years later. Because, I, you know, I'd never seen anything on him in the magazines or anything else, so it wasn't like his career was really popping. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I like Chick. Chick's a good guy, but he just, he, uh, <clears throat> yeah, he, he, his work left a lot to be desired. And he made a little money on the, on the independent circuit and, uh, yeah. You know, but he just he just never uh you know, I mean I, 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 I agree with you, Bobby. I just uh I just uh you know, it's it's it was like one of those guys that you're gonna really believe my reputation if I keep 
pumping it up here enough. You know. Well, the story he goes, and I believe it to be true. Uh, you know, was he was playing golf somewhere, and uh, and uh, he kept. He kept oh, seeing this guy look at him, and he finally walked up to him and said, uh, "says I kept I kept noticing you looking at me." He said, "You might know me." He said, "My name is Chick Donovan." He said, "I'm a international TV star." And uh, the guy he spoke to said, "Well, you might know me. My name is Joe Scarpa." <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, I mean, just uh, Chick. Chick was good. You know, the only two places he ever really got a got a push. Was in Memphis and working for Fuller down, uh, you know, in Southeastern. And he was, he was, he fit in down in Southeastern because I mean Fuller never had more than a, an eight, ten, twelve man crew. So you know, and you know, Chick fit right there in you know opening middle of the card, and, and you know they put the U.S. title on him or junior to heavyweight title on him if I'm not mistaken. But that was always that that at least. You know, the summer I worked with him, I wrestled for that title every night of the week for three three weeks, and then it was always the opening match. You know, so did you ever win it? No. Same guy have it the whole time you were there. Yeah, Tommy Wright. You guys remember him? Yeah, it would seem like you'd get smart enough after three weeks to figure out a way to beat the guy. Well. That's like Ted probably... Ellis said he could never beat Rocket Monroe in Riverdale. And that <laughs> but uh, I think Tommy worked here too. He was he was a buddy of uh, Paul Orndorff's. So I think he did uh, when Orndorff was here. He was over here doing. Yeah, he came through here some. I remember the name. Did Mike Hammer ever work up here? He was a names, Florida guy. Name, names familiar? Yeah, it sounds familiar to me also. Cause, you know, a lot of the guys from uh, would go down there and work Tampa TV, and then sometimes the the, the Tampa job guys would cycle up here. So I know Jackson worked down there, Tampa TV, quite a bit. We used to fly guys, one, two, three guys a week to Tampa to do jobs on TV. Really? Yeah, I mean, that's the one time I went there. I went down there one time. You did uh, a job there, didn't you, Bobby? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> you uh, my, my Tampa TV career lasted about 90 seconds. Did you wrestle under a hood, Bobby? No, sir. Uh-uh. Went down there and wrestled myself, and Gordon... Uh, Gordon Gordon put me over a little bit as a referee from Georgia because people down there were seeing the tapes. And, uh, you know, referee from Georgia, and he's trying to break into wrestling and, uh, you know, uh, give him a lot of credit for trying. And the whole time Larry Henning was beating the crap out of me. So, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and never make any mistake about how strong Larry Henning was. He picked me up off the apron over top of his head, and I did help him. Uh, I mean, I went up. I was, you know. I was at dead weight, but buddy, I knew when he had me up there. I thought this guy's strong as an ox. He was. <laughs> There's a picture of him um, from very early in his career that they used to put in a lot of the programs of him holding a snowmobile over his head. God. That's well, that's about the size of a snowmobile. That's probably pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh. 
Smitty, all the times that you would would uh, go down there and work for uh, Rocky, did you ever come across a referee and sometime wrestler by the name of Lynn Sasser? You remember him? Yeah, Lynn Sasser. He was. He was. I think he was from Andalusia or somewhere down that way. But he he refereed down there for years, and then he decided he wanted to be a wrestler, and then he went to work for uh, Bill Golden. And wrestled, and he would come in and do a shot or two every once in a while in Mobile. It's still as a wrestler, but uh, all right. down there was with me. Down there was uh, Jimmy McGuire and uh, Speedy. That's all new referees I knew down in Dalton. Well, Larry Brock was down there. Oh yeah, and it, and it depended on when you were, because I know you were. You did that for years. You would come through for years. Yeah. Um, you remember a, a big, heavyset, blonde guy by the name of Bill Speed? Wasn't even. Uh, he was from. Uh, he was Bob yeah. Kelly's stepbrother. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. And he Joe Powell, of course. Did he? Yeah, he was there. He was there three or four years, and then uh, Jack Howe. You remember him? No. Jack ended up working for Watts for years and years. I remember Joe Powell. Oh yeah, Joe was Joe was yeah. Joe and Speedy were our Smitty and Charlie Harbin. Yeah. In, in that that territory, those two were around forever. Did it, you know, we come getting... was a good old wrestler, too, you know it. Who? Charlie Harvin. Oh, yeah. In fact, his uh, his brother, George, uh, wrestled in Mobile in the, the very early 50s. 52, I think, is when he was. But he was, he was called Baron jo- George Von Harbin. <laughs> and he ended up working for uh, Crockett, didn't he? He was... Uh, what yeah, he worked for the office. I never, I never met George other than by voice. We talked a couple times a week, every week for two or three years, but I never met him. How about when he died, Bobby? Charlie. Oh yeah. When, uh, when his brother died. Yeah, Charlie said George was his hero. He wouldn't go to the funeral. He said I couldn't do it, but. My favorite George Harbin story, and George told me this himself, uh, and Larry Hamilton backed it up. Uh, Larry Hamilton's very first match as a professional wrestler was against George Harbin. And he said that somehow or another they wound up, and he wound up having George in an upside-down bear hug, feet up, head down. And said, George was hollering, don't drop me, don't drop me. And he said, all I heard was drop me. <laughs> So he dropped George on his head, and he says, "He George, Larry told me this part. He said all George did was roll back and forth across the mat, holding his head, hollering, you fool, you fool, you fool.'" Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Is anybody holding on three hundred four? Erico three hundred four there. I don't know, Jay. Waiting to be on? 
Area code 304. Let's see. Uh, I'm not seeing it. What, what would you do? Tell one of your girlfriends you were going to be on the radio and they no, called Roger in? Smith. Oh. No, Roger Smith. No, no, there's uh, no, there's not not a 304 area code holding. I told him about the show. He said he'd like to listen to it. Well, you know, when we first, when I first would start calling into the show, you had to punch one in order to be put into the queue in order to talk to the host, possibly. But you didn't have to be push push one in order to listen to the show. And now I don't know if you have to actually push one in order to talk to the become up on the switchboard. No, you don't. You don't. No, it pops up without pushing a one. So. You know who I was afraid of more than anybody when I was going to the wrestling matches? Louise Smith. Um, yeah, well, that her, too. I'm still afraid of her. <laughs> the mighty Yankee. He was the top Roger, Roger Mackey? Yes, sir. He was the top hill in when I was growing up, going to the matches. Did he and Knox ever work in here together as the Yankees, or was he just in here by himself? No, he come. Uh, he came in, and he was uh, mighty aged too. Yeah, Buddy Knox. Yeah, they had a uh, uh, Confederate flags. Oh man, they were mean too. Yeah, Chuck well, Owens going to be on with us next week, and he, that was that was his thing with the mask wrestler. So that's I wanted to. That's the reason I, I purposely left off one of the major feuds in, in Atlanta was the the Doug Gilbert and the Assassins because I wanted to yeah. talk about that with uh, Chuck next week because he, uh, he Chuck has gone to one of the uh, something that I would absolutely love to I didn't know existed but he's gone to this weekend he's gone to a uh, convention of uh, old western stars. Me. No, Western yeah. cereal, you know, cereal stars yeah, and goes stuff like that. Every year. Yeah, that's what he was telling me. It's been going since yeah. 1974, he said. They had one in Atlanta here in 1991, and as far as I know, last, I guess Lash LaRue was still alive there. Then I, re- yeah, I you know, and uh, I remember going to that. It was downtown. Lash LaRue. You know, he ended up making porno movies. <laughs> No. Uh, no, and that's the truth. He well, he made at least one, and 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 I, this is no rib. This is this is a shoot. It was called Lash Whips It Out. Oh my God! How <laughs> 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 you make that up now, sir? No, 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 no. I swear. And, and I don't, I don't think he. I think he just appeared in it. I don't think he performed in it, but I think he just, you know, he was and, just. Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> That's interesting. I, 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 that's real play on words. Another guy that was at that one here in Atlanta was Lee Aker, and uh, they had a panel going on when I uh, came in and sat down. And I wondered who in the hell this guy was and who he was talking about. And uh, you know, and it turned out he was, uh, you know, Rusty from uh, from the Adventures of Ren Ten Ten, you know, from the fifties. Yeah. Well, uh, and, uh, Chuck, Chuck said the big star uh, or the big guest that this one he's going to this weekend was Johnny Crawford. 
Uh, you know, and and it's unfortunate, but some of those guys that were still around in the uh, in the early '90s, I mean, it's it's just they're just all gone. The you know the ones that were this were the uh, uh, the stars of those uh, TV shows, even from the '50s. I mean, not even counting the serials from the from the '40s, and uh, yeah. they're 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 just gone. It's unfortunate. John Russell, who was you know a lawman. Uh, well, man, he was yeah. at that. He was at that convention in the nineties, and uh, even the guy that played his uh, his deputy, uh, he he you know he recently passed away, and the name is escaping me. I'm sorry. Yeah, me too. I just I was gonna say I just read that where he passed away recently. Yeah. Johnny well, McKay was today uh, this weekend, Mike. You know. What's that? What uh, Chuck went? Where's it at? It's somewhere in the Carolinas, but uh, I know he goes uh, every year to to one of them. I know he was into all those cereals and stuff because he he um he's got every cereal that can be made. I think. Yeah, he's the one that got me started on them, and I've got uh, I've got probably ten or twelve different ones. I've got the the Phantom. I've got. both the Supermans from the forties, both of the Batmans from the forties, both the Green Hornets from the forties, uh, Captain America from the forties. How about Red Rider? What's that? Red Rider. No, I don't have any Red Rider. I don't have any any Western ones yet, except the Lone Ranger and the Zorro ones. Those are the only yeah. westerns I have. The, the Zorro ones were really big in the fifties when they were playing on the kid shows in the afternoon. Uh, you think about the Disney one, right? No, no, the one with John Williams. Uh, no, no, the Zorro's fighting. I'm not talking about a new show when they when they ran. Are oh, you talking about Fighting, ran, fighting Legion and all those? Yeah, when they, they ran those in the fifties on local afternoon wow. kid shows, and Zorro's Fighting Legion was one of the uh, very first ones, as, as of course were the Flash Gordon series. And uh, so, so uh, I have the fla- yeah. I have the Flash. Well, I have the Buster Crab Flash Gordon. Yeah, there's there's three of them that were made. How about Tarzan? Buster Crab and Tarzan. No, I don't have any Tarzans on my list. I don't have any Tarzan ones yet. Buster Crab made the original Tarzan cereal. And yeah. uh, how about Gene Autry and the Phantom Empire? I got a handful. Of, I got a handful of Roy Rogers, but uh, I don't have any any. Uh, yeah. G- Gene Autry's was the Phantom Empire. It, yeah, com- Phantom it combined Empire, yeah. it combined it combined Western with science fiction. There you go, folks. Yep. And uh, my my, my big brother over there's got uh, what is it called, Sky King, Bobby? Uh, you're thinking about uh, the guy with the metal mask, uh, right? No, no, Bob, the guy that the guy that the Western, the guy that had the airplane. Oh, that was Sky King, yes. Bobby's got that. Did he? Did he? Did we lose Bobby? Did he fall asleep on us? Oh, I'm here. Okay, yeah, I'm here. Isn't that? Don't you have Sky King? That cereal? I've got that uh, TV show. No, I don't have a cereal. I got four episodes of the TV show, but I don't have the cereal. Well, I've got I've got uh, the only serials I've got I've got uh, both seasons of the Zorro Disney serial, and I've got uh, my all-time favorite. And when I was a kid, my favorite television show, and it was just 
you know, it was just an episode on, uh, it, it never was a, a TV show, but it was part of uh, of the uh, wonderful world of Disney. It was serialized on there. It was, was uh, Dr. Sin, the scarecrow of Romney Marsh. I very, very, very vaguely remember that. Patrick McGowan. I don't think uh, I don't think Sky King was a, a a movie serial. It was a big I TV didn't, show. I don't have it. Yeah, it was a but TV there, show. But there was a Sky King radio serial show that was on in the afternoons, and that was in the late forties, early fifties. Hmm. My favorite is Captain Marvel. I don't have Captain Marvel yet, but I'm, that's in my in my wish list because that serial got the, is available uh, too. I've got the VHS uh, uh, version of that, which was the you know the actual theatrical home video. Right. What's that, Smitty? A junk give me everyone every serial I got. Junk give them to me, you know it. Mike, have you got any of the uh, Mexican uh, uh, serials and movies starring the wrestlers? No, I, that's there in my wish list, too. I, uh, I, there's all those El Santo and uh, Blue Demon and uh, Mil Mascaris, the, the El Santo versus the Mummy and all those. I, I've got I've probably in my – I keep a running wish list on a um, – Website called Blu-ray.com, uh-huh. and uh, I've I probably got fifteen or twenty of them, you know, in my wish list for all of those. Well, some of those mask wrestlers from you know Mexico, I read stories about them from the, uh, you know, way back, and that uh, they became major, major stars, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, in addition to their wrestling work, I mean, they were they were matinee idols, and uh, you know, in in, in the mask. Well, the, Mil Mascaris, that character existed in movies before the wrestler ever existed. Is that right? They picked him, or they, actually they picked him. Uh, there were the the one that became famous was actually the second Mil Mascaris. There was one ahead of him that didn't last very long, and uh, so they got uh, Aaron Rodriguez, who was a judo uh, champion in Mexico and asked him to fill the role and he started making movies before he became a wrestler. No kidding. The I had no idea. The, the, yeah, the movies became so popular that he learned how to wrestle, so he started wrestling. Well, I hate to disillusion a lot of folks, but I ain't ever seen him wrestle. I, <laughs> well, <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, he, he, he got into he a ring. He very nicely, but, you know. <laughs> he got into a ring. Let me put it he that way. He could get on that he, top rope and jump. You know, but uh, I got a picture of uh, him jumping off the top rope of City Auditorium and Roger Smith catching him. I remember when he was here with the IWA. Is that when you guys were working for the IWA? Ah, uh, this was Gunkel. Oh, really? I didn't realize yeah. Roger worked for Gunkel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was Bull Zomar. I thought, I knew that was a gimmick he did for. Uh, the IWA, I didn't realize he was Bulls Omar for Gunkel. Yeah.
Yeah, I had some of those old IWA tapings. The only thing was I had the worst referee I'd ever seen before. His name Charlie Smith. You got that oh. right. I like you know the what? opening of that. I, I like the opening of the show where they would show credits of the uh, baby faces and the heels. You know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it was like a theatrical thing before the match, before the show would actually start. Except Lars Anderson changed his name every week. Yeah. One one week he was Larry, uh, ever how you Hanini. pronounce his real name, Hymanini or whatever, and then the next week he'd be Lars Anderson and back and forth. You know, we taped six hours of wrestling in Porterdale. IWA did one night. Did they change change the crowds, or do they? No. Get, was it all in front of the same audience? Six hours, and you know what? If the finish didn't go right. They had to come back out there and do it again. That's unbelievable. Yep. I said, I ain't believing this. Yeah, Charlie invited me out there, and it went so late, I had to get up and go to work the next day. I couldn't couldn't stick around. Yep. The next night, we were in Nashville, North Carolina. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, him, uh, Ron, Ron Martinez was involved in that too, right? Yeah, Pedro Martinez. He was, the, he was the booker. They had some talent. Yeah, they oh, had yeah, a lot of they talent. They had a lot of talent, yeah. Somebody huh. run out, or you know, well, I yeah. think uh, Mr. Yeah. Anahorn got support to it. I think they did three shows at the three shows at the Atlanta City Auditorium, if I remember correctly. I've got at least yeah. one program. Yeah, they they ran they ran a couple shows there on Tuesday nights, I think, or one or two. Smitty, did you ever did you ever get to work with uh, Dick Brower, Bulldog Brower? I did. I remember. He was he was fun, wasn't he? Yeah. He was a nut. I vaguely remember him from the WWF days going way back. He was a did big star go, in Toronto and in uh in uh I don't know if he was ever in Kansas City. He was he was he was in Buffalo, I know that. Buffalo and Cleveland were well, yeah, Sheik in Detroit. He wrestled and was a he was a single father. He raised his kids and wrestled. Wow. And he also wow. he also belonged to a secret society that uh Dick Murdoch and uh Larry Hamilton belonged to, but I won't call what it what it was which one it was. I <laughs> 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 I see where the KKK got the rights to clean the highway up on five seventy five. Yeah, that's pretty bad when you got to go to court to get that, isn't it? Yeah. But the did they get the? Did they give them the little part of the street named? They, yeah, they want they wanted it in their name as a public service deal. I do remember that, but it lasted. It, yeah. it was in courts for a long time, wasn't it, Charlie? Yeah, they just approved it last week. The judge did. Mm. 
Well, we were talking about fuse bleeding over from other territories. Did the Sheik and Bobo Brazil ever work down here? Did they ever bring that feud down here? No, I never did. But Bobo was here a lot of times. Oh yeah, both of them. Both of them worked here quite a bit. But I don't ever remember but not working each other. Not working together, did they? Work just each other, did they? No, not to my knowledge. I know. I know. Sheik and Abdullah did. They worked. They brought their feud here. That they worked all over the place with. We went. We've been around the horn tonight. We went from the movies to the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and we started off hey, with vacation. Is... Vacation. I want to. Yeah. Well, so we're on the movie. I'm. I'm kind of. Think I'm gonna take my goddaughter and go see Ghostbusters Monday. I'm kind of interested in that one. Well, how did that go with uh, taking? Where did you take Ed to see the others? We went and found Dory. Okay. It was very good. I mean, I enjoyed the movie. She was. Oh, I didn't have no trouble with her. She was fine. We had. I, Ellen DeGeneres is the voice of Dory. Yes. And I was so sick of Ellen DeGeneres' voice by the end of that movie, I don't even want to see her on TV. Uh, it, it was a good movie. I think it lasts a little too long because even uh, Trinity is my my youngest goddaughter. I, uh, Trinity and Haley, they're sisters. And it's the first time I'd ever, she's five. It's the first time I've ever taken her anywhere by just me and her. It's the first time she's ever been away from her mom and dad to go anywhere like this, so I really didn't know how she was going to be. Uh, but uh, she did fine. We did great. But the movie even lasted so long that even this five-year-old kid asked me, he says, is this thing about over? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I 90, minutes, so. <laughs> 90 minutes is about max for a kid that age. I mean, that's max. Oh, it was uh, – but the movie's pretty good. I, you know, Disney does a great job with the, with the animated movie, so it was good. I enjoyed it. I'm surprised so, they took – Took that long to do a sequel to it. Yep, yep, me too. But, uh, you know what I think? Uh, in the early days, cowboy movies, they uh, were 57 to 60 minutes long, that's all. But never yep. not them no longer than 60 minutes. Yeah, and you know I love yeah. those things on that old Western network. Yep. Eddie Dean and... Uh, uh, um, What's the one that Chuck did the book on? I like those movies, too. Uh, oh, Durango Kid, Charles Durango Starrett. Durango Kid, yeah, I love Charles Charles Starrett, Charles Starrett. Starrett. Yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm not a Green Autry fan, but, I, but I, like, I like a lot of those old cowboy movies. I always wondered about him, because, you know, he wore a neckerchief-type uh, bandana on his face. How much trouble yep. was it going to take somebody to yank that thing off? I mean, you know, seriously. <laughs> Well, that's the way they did back in those days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, seriously, could you not tell that uh, what the Lone Ranger looked like just wearing that piece of black strip across his face? Uh, it didn't matter whether you whether you knew what he looked like or not because he had such a distinctive voice. And when yeah. they replaced uh, uh, Clayton Moore with uh, John, uh, oh gee, what was what is that guy's name for a year when Clayton Moore uh, fought his contract? Uh, they had to give him uh, John. Man, he played uh, later on. He played uh, Last of the Mohicans. Uh, the John did. Uh, they had to give him a new mask that uh, covered up his nose, and 
then when Clayton Moore came back, then his mask had the nose cover up part on it too. Uh, you know but, when uh, uh, he quit, they wouldn't let him uh, wear a mask. So when they make a personal appearance, you know, he had to wear sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, I mean, pretty good sunglasses. Snailville. That was when they were doing Marshall. the. That was when they were doing the Lone Ranger, Lone Ranger movie in the uh, early eighties. Clinton Spielberg. Yeah. And uh, his career lasted a long time, didn't it? One and only yep. movie he ever made. And Michael Horace is Tonto. Yep. You know what? You know what? Watch a lot of them old time serials. You see Clayton Moore in a lot of them. You know it. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, he's a crook. Good guy. Everything. He played in a lot of movies in the thirties and the forties. You know. Yeah, he played Kit Carson in a in a serial. That was the first thing I ever saw him yeah. in. Of course, it was early 50s. I'd already seen him on The Lone Ranger. I know. You just go to, I used to go to the Fox Theater with a Marina Bread rapper and get in to see The Lone Ranger serial. You know it? No, that's for my time, Charlie. At the Fox Theater. Charlie, Charlie used to go see the silent movies. That's what Charlie went and saw. <laughs> well, you know, outside of the movies, there's a relationship between the Lone Ranger and the Green Hornet. You knew that, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's Britt his Reed uh, nephew. Is, is John Reed is the Lone Ranger, and Britt Reed is his great-great-nephew or something. Yeah, the, uh, the Reed, John Reed and... You know, once again, this is tip of my tongue stuff, but uh, his, uh, John Reed's brother uh, had a son, and uh, then the the son of John Reed was the father of the Green Hornet, and that's the, right. uh, and that's the connection right there. Right. Didn't John Reed play Zorro one time at a serial? John Reed was the, was the Lone Ranger's real name. That was the yeah. character's real name. Uh, Guy Williams was was the Disney Zorro, and I don't know who it was. Um, I can't think of the who original was fighting, fighting Legion. Yeah, uh, the, he uh, played uh, in an early TV series in the fifties called Racket Squad, and uh, you know he had that pencil thin mustache. The yeah. the guy that pl- played Zorro and uh, you know it's just one of those names that aren't coming to me now. It's just so that much. Been the guy that did jobs on Atlanta TV. Michael can't remember. Could have been. Could have Oh, I'll tell Bobby you who it was. You'll you'll know who it was. You'll know who it is when I say his name. Reed Crandall. Uh, he was okay. uh, he was uh, the the star of Rocket Squad and he was the star of Zorro's Fighting Legion, which was a very very good serial. Yes, you know, it was. There, there was a large cast in that in that movie, and uh, unlike the follow-ups to that, and uh, it was very well done with the whip work and the sword work, uh, and the single-shot uh, uh, pistols. It was excellent. The, uh, as a matter of fact, Clayton Moore played in the last Zorro, Zorro serial, which was called The Ghost of Zorro, and when he yeah. had on, had on the mask of Zorro, they had another guy. Who was also in the in the serial, which I thought was stupid, did the voice of Zorro when he was wearing the mask. Mm. 
How about that? Boy? They even did. They did a a one that was a female Zorro. Yeah, it was called Black Whip. Yeah. Black Whip. Yep. I think I'm not sure if I've got Black Whip or not. I think I did, a, that was part of sure. a four movie serial. Uh, four movie. Uh, it's not a trilogy because it was four movies, but uh, that was really the only connection to that movie uh, was the title Zorro's Black Whip. In fact, I mean, I've got not, Zorro stuff. I've got everything from uh, the Antonio Banderas Zorros all the way back to the silent ones with Douglas Fairbanks in them. Yeah, uh, the first Antonio Banderas Zorro movie was good. Second yes, one, not was. so good. No, it's like they 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 ran out of plot. Right. The Ronald <laughs> was it Ronald Coleman that played Zorro in the forties? Uh, that wasn't Ronald Coleman. I'm trying. Uh, anyway, that was a good the- theatrical movie that was made in the forties. Uh, uh, Zorro. I think I've got it too. John Hall. No, he played the Invisible Man before he played Raymar. He John Hall actually played Zorro, uh played the Invisible Man twice in uh, in the forty Universal uh, in the Universal films of the forties. One time he was a good guy, and one time he was a a, a bad guy. Uh, you know, uh, a crook. But he was, and the two movies had absolutely nothing to do with it, with each other, other than well, that he the names was of those. Because I've got, I've got all, all the, the entire box set of the Invisible Man. The only ones I knew was Vincent Price was in the second one, and, and Returns, and Claude Rains, of course, was in the original. Right. Uh, these were later made, but they were Universal films, and uh, they were made during the, you know, the, I guess those were like late 30s. The Claude Rains one, the original, yeah. and Vincent Price who was his brother, who became the Invisible Man, returned. Right. Uh, and, and I got uh, John the Invisible Hall, Woman. Right, which was the third, which I think was the third movie. And then John Hall did two Invisible Man movies that were Universal movies. And he played two completely different characters, uh, other than the fact that he became invisible. And, uh, and in one of them, he was evil and the other of course you know that serum made him turn evil anyway but yeah. uh he he uh he was seemed he was tied to world war Two and the nazis the one where he played the bad guy and maybe i do have those and i just uh, don't russell, remember but you ever seen that visible man russell <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that 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 promotion down in south america had one yeah, invisible man. You tell me about that. You were talking about that the other night, Mike, wouldn't you? Yeah. Hmm. I saw Tarzan wrestle. Wasn't it Tarzan? Tarzan goes to New York or something. Didn't he become a wrestler in that movie? Uh, that was a John. Hall, he I jumped mean, uh, off the jumped off the Brooklyn John Bridge. John Wisemuller played that. John yeah. Wisemuller, yes. Do you yeah, know Johnny Wisemuller had a cousin named Adam Wisemuller? And he was actually a wrestling promoter in Ohio, and that's who Al Half got his start under, was Adam Wisemuller. was Johnny Wisemuller's cousin. So we we worked it all the way back around, Bobby, all the way back to wrestling. Well, I'm glad. Because <laughs> we're, just, we're just about out of time. Yeah, yeah, we I got mean, eight, you minutes, know, we, eight minutes and forty-five seconds. Well, I can long. tell you this: we're, you know, since we're since we started at Bible School, 
Let me tell you what tomorrow night holds at the Bible School, and this will kind of bring us back to wrestling again, too. We we have a uh, contest every year where the the boys put their little offering they bring every night into a into a pan, and then the uh, the other offering pan they put the uh, the girls put theirs in, and at the end of the week whoever brings the most money, whether it's the boys or the girls, then we do some kind of little contest between them where you know. So this year they came up with the bright idea that if the boys win, they get to throw water balloons at the girls tomorrow night, oh, and goodness. if the girls win, they get to throw water balloons at the boys. Oh. So. So I don't know how it's going to come out yet, but I do know there's going to be a ton of water balloons tossed back and forth tomorrow night. I was going to be a lot of money, too. I'm going to make sure that I do not get anywhere near anywhere the water balloons are in flight. (laughs) (laughs) We wind up, uh, it's all in good fun, and every year, whatever they take up, the church bumps it up, and we always give a donation to the uh, Georgia Baptist uh, Children's Home, so... So it all well, goes see, if, for you had, if you hadn't gotten the air conditioner fixed, you'd be welcoming those water balloons. Oh, jeez. You ever, you ever pay that $600? <laughs> you ever pay that $600 water bill, Bobby? Uh, yes, we did. As a matter of fact, we did, and uh, we we appealed it, and we were told that it could take up to uh, three months to get a reply from the city. Really? Uh, so, so we're uh, we're still waiting on a reply. Wow. Mm. Uh, all right, gentlemen, I'm going to bed. Thank you for having me on your program. You're quite well, well, we're man. happy to have you, Charlie Smitty Smith. We'll call you. We'll call you seven thirty in the morning. And get you up because we know you'll don't be up. Don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> my wife Good night, is Charlie. Tomorrow, <laughs> See you, Smitty. My wife is here, sir. She... <laughs> Good night. Going. See you, Smitty. Oh goodness! All right. Like I said, next week uh, we will we'll, we will have Chuck Thorne with us. He's looking forward to uh, being on, and and we've been trying to get Chuck on here. I've been trying to get Chuck on here for for a while now, but he's had some health issues that would not uh, allow him to be able to be with us. Uh, some sort of breathing issues that he's now no longer afflicted with. So he's looking forward to being on with us and. Uh, for those of you who are listening who do not know the name Chuck Thornton, uh, Chuck is probably the premier historian for Atlanta wrestling. Uh, Chuck uh, Chuck was such a fan that he used to uh, do eight millimeter films at the at the old city auditorium, and he would even eight millimeter film the television program. Yep, and so. Uh, and he goes, uh, I think he started going, when did he say, Jay? Six, 61. Get 61. 61, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, I think it was the Mighty well, Yankee, was it not, that he said was the uh, mask guy? That, uh, either the Yankee or, or or the Assassins that got him hooked into it. I, I know I, his, I think so. his email address contains Assassins, so uh, I think it yes. was probably the Assassins that were. But 61 was, uh, you know, that was that was way early. And, yep. uh and uh, so at any rate, yeah, we had a nice little con. You and I had a nice little conversation with him at the last little get together there. And uh, Chuck's just got a mountain of information, you know, stuff that's so varied. Oh yeah. And uh, so I'm looking forward to having Chuck on with us. It should be a good show. So anyway, guys, that's our plan for next week. And uh, hopefully Jerry will be back with us next week. And uh, 
we'll uh, we'll get together and we'll do this one more time. Okay. Sounds good. Enjoy. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night, guys. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.